Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Scorch Camelos, another episode of the Nosh Posh. We're doing two back-to-back right now, and it's with these wonderful human beings. You already had him introduce himself a little bit. Let's have him introduce himself one more time, so that way you guys can really remember his name. Go ahead and introduce yourself, bud. My name is Gregory Mitchell. Um, I was born in Stockton, California, in a small little town called French Camp, California. It's about five minutes, I mean five miles uh, south uh, of, of Stockton, California. We're out at Victory Park, um, promulgating the way of Islam. Uh, I'm proud to say that this young man is coming out to do the podcast. He's a very, very intellectual individual, and I'm thankful for this opportunity. So um, I would like to tell you a little bit about myself because I think this story might be inspiration. Um, I've done a 28-year stint in prison. Um, I was been given an opportunity to go and fly 8,100 miles to Mecca and back under some extreme circumstances, but I believe it was an impossible thing manifest itself to the possibility. I only say this because opportunities always knock, and oftentimes we uh, hinder our opportunities by thinking that due to the fact that we may have done something not right or wrong in the eyes of the individuals or other individuals and it causes for us to have some kind of stigma about ourselves and feel that we're lower than who we are. We uh, subject ourselves to our attitudes based on what we think we are and how people perceive us as individuals that uh, made a mistake and that we're not worthy of being citizens in America. So I gave you my prison experience, a part of my experience. I will not get too deep off into it. For you to have an idea about how you can proceed as a human being. The essence of the human being will manifest itself through trials and tribulations. I can tell you at this particular time, there's a man somewhere in California, around the United States, or around the world, in a prison cell, is thinking about what he's going to do if he ever gets out of prison. I went to prison with a 36-year-to-life sentence. I was supposed to be an individual that never made it out of prison. I was supposed to die in prison. But through my transformation to Islam, I had a dream about a a black cloth called the Kaaba. And within that dream, I was told that this was in Mecca. And at that particular time, I was a Christian. Matter of fact, the the way I got my name was Mubashir was I was preaching the gospel to Father, Son's, and the Holy Ghost, I was pushing a line with the um, Christian doctrine. And when I say push a line, what I mean is I was out promulgating that way of life at that particular time until I had this dream. But when I came to a prison, a place called Calipatria, which is one of the most dangerous prisons in California, I ran into this Muslim brother by the name of Mahdi. Mahdi means that this is the, a person that's going to come back to life, who we believe that is Esau, to people around the world, his name is Jesus, Jesus Christ. And he would set all the matters straight. So he's called the Mahdi. But this brother's name was the Mahdi. His name was Mahdi. He's not the Mahdi, but his name is Mahdi. So me and him was having this debate about Christianity. I was explaining to him that Christ came in the form of God. And me and was going back and forth. And he was telling me, no brother, there's only one God. His name is Allah. So he was giving me all these different concepts about Islam, and I told him about this dream. He said, I can tell you about this dream. 
I can tell you exactly about what the dream is. So, you know, I thought he was just joshing. I thought he was just full of different things, you know. I said, okay, if you know what this dream is, then show me what this dream is, man. And if you show me what this dream is, man, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Because he kept telling me to come to Islamic services about Allah, the Prophet Muhammad, you know what I mean? Uh, I was mixed up about the nation of Islam, so I thought he was talking about Elijah Muhammad. Takbir, Allah Akbar. And so, uh, 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 Allah Akbar. So, so, uh, so, uh, it's all love. Yeah. So I was thinking to myself, he was no possible way he was going to show me this picture. So he finally showed me this picture, and it was this thing called Lakaba. It had a writing in gold. It said, La ilaha illallah. The same thing you heard the brother saying, just leaving. It meant that there's no deity worthy of praise but Allah, our God. And Muhammad ibn Abdullah is, is the Nabiya, the seal of the prophets, 1400 years ago out of Saudi Arabia, Palencia. And that he is the best example for humanity. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I mean it in a humble way. That he has transformed lives, not only from this park in Stockton, California, a small etch, a cornerstone of Stockton, but nationwide. He started off with himself and his wife Khadija radiallahu anhu, which means may Allah be pleased with her. And so they started off, Prophet Muhammad started off, peace and blessings be upon him, with one individual. Then his cousin, then Zaid, and then another individual called Abu Bakr. It was four people that he promulgated the religion to. Now we're over a billion strong, maybe even more, maybe two billion strong. So I, I explain this to you because whatever idea that you have, whatever concept that you have, you really need to investigate Islam from a perspective of how did this happen? How did this happen from one man in Arabia Palencia and Islam was spreaded all over the world? You need to know that in... Um, Malaysia, the Valencia of Malaysia, is the highest concentration of Muslims. Some people argue to the fact that we spread Islam by the sword. Some people that really don't understand the crusade, how, the, how Christianity was spread by the sword. But yet, we cannot argue the fact that Malaysia has 500, 500 million Muslims and no other person has ever landed on that land to propagate Islam. So how did Islam just get there? Did it get there by osmosis? Did it get there by some mystical fashion? Did it just come by the air? It was something like in the air, like the coronavirus, and it just took over the people? No, Islam came to revise our people's life, to make them live a moral life, that they understand the quintessence of life, to understand their purpose in life and their aim and their goal, to find the true individual that they are. And that's what Islam does to us. It makes us intelligent human beings. One of my heroes, or one of my uh, uh, people that I really admire is Michael Max, is known as Al-Hajj Malik Shabazz. And one of the reasons why I'm so attracted to him because his experiences that we had are similar. He learned his Islam in prison. He became an individual who was autodidactic. And we need to understand this word. Auto means the individual, like autobiography. Uh, it means that the person is auto. Didactic means this person is self-taught. So Islam is basically a self-taught religion. Like any other thing is self-taught, meaning that you're the individual of the catalyst that, that behind it that you don't stay in a state of inertia. Meaning that if you stay in inertia, inertia can work both ways. 
It can be pushed by a force or it can just stay stagnant by a force. So if Islam is something that is pushing you as a catalyst to become a, a better human being, then that's why we use the example of Muhammad ibn Abdullah, sallallahu Islam, may the peace and blessings be upon him, because his paradigm is an example how to treat your wife, how to be a better individual, how to be a better husband, how to be a better brother, how to be an individual like when Christ talked about take off your cloth and follow me, that, that you're not truly a believer until you love your neighbor as you love yourself. By you loving yourself means that you have a responsibility to the poor. You have the responsibility to the needy. You have the responsibility to the elder. You have the responsibility to the, to the homeless. You have a responsibility, most of all, to yourself by understanding what you are and who you are as a human being. And until you come into you understanding who your creator are, is, then you really don't understand yourself as a human being. So that's why it's so easy for you to go to sleep at night when bombs go away and then they kill off innocent people and they call it collateral damage. Or when there's a million people, a million children dying of thirst a day, children, you can easily go to sleep and rest your conscience because you're not conscientious of your responsibility to the worldwide view. Once you understand your responsibility, then you give as much as you can. Then you become responsible, responsible ethically about what you do for the human family. The human family is the person that is in need right now. As you hear this talk right now, or whenever you decide to become a better person, then you understand that you have a responsibility to others. And when you put others before yourself, then you have arrived to the thing that you believe in. Until then, you haven't arrived to the thing that you believe in. Because if you say you believe in something greater than yourself, then you're willing to put other people before you. And by you putting other people before you, then you're doing a responsible thing as a human being. You're doing a thing as a responsible being for humanity. So we want to just take a moment in time to take a deep breath to understand what is responsibility. We don't really want to have a play on words or become a dynamic individual polemically. What we want to do is to understand what is responsibility. When you break down the word responsibility, you have respond to your ability. So how do you have a certain ability? How do you come up with the skills? As you go to school, you learn about soft skills. You learn about hard sciences. You learn about components. You learn about the, the, the periodical chart, about uh, enzymes and all these other things. You learn a lot of things about science and how they operate in the H, uh, H2O. You learn about what water is and oxygen. But you don't take out time to learn out who the creator is, how the dynamics of your heart, the atrium of your back and forth of your blood system going into your heart, how your respiratory system works, that you have enough veins that will lay out for a million miles within yourself. Who created that system? Just within you. Right. How your brain works. Right. Your cranium, the hemispheres of your mind. How does it work? How does my left side of my brain work the right side of my arm? Who came with the stuff, with the idea of what hemispheres are? Mankind was given the ability to do certain things. He was given a certain thing because he was given to intellect and then the intelligence to be able to create a car. You know, even with a car, it's created with a, with a manual, how to operate, what it is. So you need to understand that manual, how you operate, what to eat, how does things do in your family. Exactly. How do things that you do, understanding those type of things, how the media affects your mind, how television affects your mind, what is good for you, bad for you. Your mind is a diet. It has a diet. Exactly. What is you feeding your mind daily? 
Yes. So you need to know what you're feeding your mind daily to be able to participate. Do we just believe whatever whatever the media says? Do we believe whatever politician says about what we do and how we think? Or are we just simply automatons? We hear something and we just respond. Right. And like the three things that I would like to say, because you, you said so much, I don't even know if people... <laughs> a lot of times we'll even get half of what you said. They might have to re-listen to this episode a couple times, you know what I mean? Which is great. Uh, the first thing that you said about the spread, mm-hmm. uh, I, re- I read this meme. It's kind of funny, but it's, it's really smart. Uh, if you die in the same hospital you were born in, your total velocity is zero. Right. You've literally gone nowhere. Right. You know what I mean? And, and that, that spread that you were talking about is really important. The second thing is when you uh, appropriate, appropriate that into the spread of what you're trying to do and about knowledge and stuff like that, you have to do that on your own though. That's what I learned, is what school is. School is the building block foundation of it. And yes, there is issues with it and it has problems with it, but just like how you have to bow down to God or you have to bow down to whoever is, you know, what you need to do to put your ego back, Mm -hmm. you also have to bow down to a system that you're in a little bit. And like you said, you know, you're in prison and stuff like that. We were talking about, uh, Khalil and I were talking about Hurricane, the movie with Denzel Washington. Right. completely bowed down in a way that was non-subservient right he said i'm not going to wear those prison clothes he's like i'm not going to do that he's like i'm worth millions of dollars and you made me come here in a place i don't want to be he said the one thing i'm not going to be is a prisoner right you know what i mean and the thing about about that i like what you're saying about with islam and how you're trying to connect with it is yeah it's your diet i tell people all the time i'm trying to be a wellness coach Mm -hmm. at one point in my life and a wellness coach isn't somebody who does things physically i do things for your diet i do things for you mentally you're going to hire me for months at a time to just better you right and if people really and my best friend said that she was like she was like i i think you could be my wellness coach because i really believe that and i said thank you so much because that means a lot mm-hmm. to know that you've seen me in my struggle of two years to know that i know what wellness is you know what i mean like that that means a lot and to appreciate that that's why i say always i bow down to her right because she she bows down to me she won't admit it but she does and i see it through her through her actions and her and her words that she uses carefully now that right there is really nice because the diet that you're gonna that you're gonna adopt mentally physically mm-hmm. spiritually uh you know uh, emotionally is really going to make or break you right and if you want to feed it right you have to do good things that's why i like doing this podcast and stuff like that i get to meet interesting people like you and sort of and you have no barrier about you even people who i do interview that have barriers i break them down right i notice i'm good about that I'm, i feel like i'm a very comforting human being absolutely i have that thing with uh with women a lot where it kind of actually kind of ruins me a little bit right where i'm so comforting they're kind of just like Oh, you know, and they get like, they sort of like almost like, I wouldn't say fall in love with me, but they're like, oh, wow, you know, and then they get weird and something. They're like very that. impressed. And yeah, and I'm just, I'm just trying to do me and I'm just trying to, you know, whatever. Like a lot of times, a lot of guys are just always like, you know, uh, they'll come to me and they'll be like, oh, wow, you know, you're probably like a man whore. You get all this, you know, stuff and everything like that and everything. And I'm like, I never even try to go for that. I've never man whored in my life. I've never done anything like that. And it's not me trying to impress myself on how easy it is for me to get women. It's never been that way for my life, but now at a point it is, and I noticed, and what I'm trying to do, just like I was talking to Khalil about, is the masculine and feminine energy that I'm trying to bond between it. And like you said, Muhammad teaches you how to take care of your wife. And when you have those energies out of line, mm-hmm. you have you have stories that alienate and ruin things, where people are reading the Quran, and then they're sitting here murdering their wives. Right. And it's like, did you read that? Like, where was your diet at? What did you have around you that actually had that? And that's the same thing with Christianity. That's the same thing with Hinduism. That's the same thing with everybody. But right. but people are so dogmatic about certain things because the way that their diet is, the media, the, the aspects of what you're going to take, that they're going to just go full force and attack for no reason other than the fact that that's what they're eating. Right. And that's how they're going to try and feed you. They're going to feed you those kinds of things. Right. And you taking that step, if nobody else acknowledges it, you've taken that step to be able to, to ultimately understand that. And and for you to and for you to understand that, that's right. beautiful. 
And if nobody else acknowledges that, I acknowledge it. Right. And like I was saying earlier, before I turned this on, I want to immortalize you guys a little bit. Because right. the internet is for forever. You right. know what I mean? And if you guys didn't want your face on it and stuff like that, I completely get that. Even though you guys are open right now, right. whatever you're doing. And that's why I like the podcast, because it's very interpersonal, but not so much so that it ruins like what could be, you know? Right. And uh, a beautiful thing about, about this that I kind of want to ask you about is what do you think about yourself that you do for uh, a benefit of people around you because you said you have a you have a you have a job for mm -hmm. the homeless people you have a job for everything and you can't sleep well in your conscious what's one thing that you do that actually quiets your mind a little bit well what what quiets my mind is understanding the responsibility for others you said a, a very important thing how people perceive you as a womanizer uh, perception is always based on the individual's understanding about self what they reflect is, is how they truly are. Right. So they reflect themselves as being you, really wanting to be you, not being themselves. Exactly. So they see you in the light of what they would do if they were you, which is something that they need to understand about the psyche and the ego of themselves. You know, it's really reversed how they look at themselves, even though the eye, the optical of the eye is seen in reverse, that tells you something about the creator within itself. So. When you quiet, what quiets my mind is knowing that I feel fu fulfill my day by doing something for somebody that I ordinarily wouldn't do anything for. Okay. Whether I gave them a compliment, whether I gave them the advice, or I said something to them that made them motivated or made their day. That's my expertise. Right. If I run into somebody and they say something to me, I try to give them a compliment. I try to give them some information that will feed them where they can enhance themselves to make them identify that they're in a better condition than someone else. So when people start complaining about, I don't have this, I don't have that, I remind them about people that are maybe in another foreign country. Like I said, where there's a million children that is dying of malnutrition a day. They don't have water. They don't have a facility where they can walk free with bombs are being rained down on them. Where their condition is where they can't even think clearly and they have no hope. When it's just gloom over them all the time. Knowing that fact and knowing that I'm in a condition where my children can go jump back in the pool. It's not a big pool, but it's a pool. They can sit back in the gazebo, kick back, ride their little bikes, have two refrigerators in the home, waste water. They drink half the bottle, throw the other bottle away. Not understanding that makes me under, I got a, a picture at the house where a child is starving to death. And I always point to that picture and say, remember that picture right there while you throw that food away. Right. Because that picture could be you. you just blessed enough to be in this household. You live a middle class life with very little. And the reason why you're able to prosper with very little is because you have a man in the house that understands economics. Exactly. He understands discipline that's willing to sacrifice where you don't have to be that picture. That's what I was telling Khalil. I was like, in my experience as a guru that I'm trying to be for myself, I'm going to make the millionaire step. Right. I'm going to be a millionaire. That's going to happen. You have Without to use a doubt. And yeah, and as long as you have the work ethic and the actual knowledge behind it, that's what's going to happen. And the reason why I want that is so I can lift people out of that problem that they're at because I was at the bottom. Right. I really was. You know, I was homeless three times. I've had a really bad life. At first, I really think I did. Right. But I wasn't at the bottom in a place like people like Yemen now where they're in a famine. Right. You know what I mean? So if I can take that opportunity to stop feeling sorry for myself and to see those people who aren't feeling sorry for themselves and they were just trying to better me and when I was bettering them, right. I'm going to give them the money. Not because 
money's the goal, freedom is. Right. And with that thing right there that you said that was so mature, and I don't know if a lot of people will acknowledge you for the things that you just said right now, but I will. That's that's real grown man shit. Right. And a lot of people can be your age and not even on it still. I could be more mature than them. I could be more of a grown man than they are. Right. And if you never understand that step, that look at that picture. Remember what I'm doing for you, not because I'm trying to hurt you and foster it over you, but because right. I'm bettering you. And right. you can better me. Right. That's an important step as a man. Now, as a woman, right. Right. I don't know necessarily because I'm not a woman. Right. So I don't know if it goes the same way for mothers. Right. You know what I mean? Which I would. That's the reason why I'm trying to get the podcast going so I can talk to my mothers. Right. And see if it is, and we have the same experiences. But what I feel like the difference is for for women compared to men. Men are expendable in nature. Right. We see the expendability that happens. You are African American, right? And right. what else? What else are you? Yes, you seem like kind of like mixed. Or are you just... I, I, I got a little Cherokee and a little. Okay. You know, any any time that. That you've been in the uh, Salam Lake of Maki, Abdullah. Anytime that you've been in America, and you don't know the concept of the African American and where our, our situation come from, and that our slave masters raped our mothers, you would have to understand that we have something in us besides pure African American or oh. pure African or Africanics, right? right? But the thing is, the concept behind that is understanding not only your historical fact as a human being, whether you're Irish or whether you're British or what other label you want to put on yourself as a human being. Right. You got to pay attention to the human experience. The human experience will separate you from any other thing. You'll be causing it of what you do and who you are. Exactly. You said you're going to be a missionary. I tell you this. There's a book out there called The Secret. Maybe you read it, maybe you haven't. I actually haven't. David Proctor is the guy that created the book called The Secret. I know David maybe, Proctor, actually, so yeah. Right, so you, you want to read, read his books. Yes, right? thank you. Because the first thing you have to do is accept is your responsibility what you want to be. Right. Until you accept it, until you believe it, you're not going to be it anyway. You can always dream about something, but until you take the first action and say, this is me, personify it and identify it as yourself, then it starts to manifest itself in the universe. Right, exactly. See, it's not gonna, it's not gonna manifest itself in the universe. This, this section, this tent, all started with an idea. Right. The guy said, hey, I wanna go out and I wanna promulgate religion, I wanna die well, and we kept saying we was gonna do it. So when we did do it, books were donated, tents was donated, seats was donated, water was donated, we just went out and started doing it. But we first had to personify that and identify it needed to be done before it became into reality. Mm -hmm. I would like to say this to all the human beings that are out there in the, in the world. They think that they're not champions of the life. I'm going to use this concept and I want you to deeply think about this concept. The reality is, is that we come from a sperm cell. Within that sperm cell that is ejaculated by your father into your mother is a million sperm cells, sometimes two million. You want to think about that you outdid 2,990,000 different sperm cells to become the individual that you are. Then you got mucid acid inside of your mother that blocks what is called her panacea. What you're fighting to get to her fallopian to the clean there before you even start to grow into a human being or to the fetus or in the embryonic state. Now you're a human being that has grown up to be who you are. Now all those people all those other sperms got washed down to the to scum and to the sewer somewhere. So as you're an individual, think about that. You outdid all those other sperm cells. Now you're here as a reality as a human being. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you a champion of who you are. 
And until you identify that you're a champion through that simple system to come into inception as an individual, as a human being, you cannot identify with the greatness who you are. See, once you understand that, you can understand that I'm a great person. I, I did all those sperm cells. Right. I made it through all that. Yeah. And then I didn't. I didn't come um, stillborn. I didn't come deformed. I didn't come with any problems. I'm healthy. I went through all that, and I came out to be a human being like that. Some had to be great for me to go through that experience to come into the beautiful human being I am. Right. Who told me that I was not beautiful? Who told me that I wasn't confident? Who told me I couldn't do this? Because they told me a lie. Right. And that's the same philosophy I have. Like I was telling with him, I think of beautiful as a soul level, not as something that's physical. Right. You know what I mean? And when you see it as a, as a soul level, and whatever you want to call it, a spirit level, uh, you know, chi, chakras, whatever, that right there, and to actually appreciate that and to understand right. that, right. That's, that's an important step of understanding what people would like to call enlightenment or virtue or anything like that. And yeah, you are you are strong. You're confident. You have all these kinds of things. I mean, look at your body. Like you're you're bigger, you know, than all of us and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I used to work out. I was almost like 200 pounds. Right. And everybody was like, "Man, Ricky, how'd you gain like 40 pounds of muscle in three months?" And I was right. like, "Just hard work and dedication, and eating a lot, you know." Right. And that that stuff right there, I appreciate my body. Right. Because there's a yogi that I listen to. His name's Sadguru, and he says that everybody's born with a certain software. Right. And your cells are all gonna do what they're gonna do to create you. What are you gonna do to help that software? Viruses happen, these kind of things. What are you doing to protect yourself for the malware, right. the cookies that show up, all those kinds of things. And I like that a lot of what you said because that's exactly what you are. A lot of people don't know that the, the, the vagina is acidic. Right. It's there to destroy. Right. Being pregnant, and it sounds kind of bad, but it's almost like a parasite. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's like it went in and it did its thing. And that's the reason why I don't, this isn't too much information, hopefully, but that's the reason why I don't masturbate. I don't do anything like that. I believe ejaculation is sacred. Right. I believe it's something, and and if certain people like, you know, uh, don't believe that way, it's whatever. You know what I mean? But I will say that those are your, that's you. That's you. Right. Your, that's your testosterone. That's your male energy. That's that's everything that you have. For females, I think it's a little bit different. I think they can definitely do it because right. they have a different way about it. They have their own processes and stuff like that. But as a man, it makes everything better. Right. I appreciate life so much more because I'm not sitting here in front of a computer screen looking right. at looking at at porn and stuff like that and just ruining my life. Right. You know what I mean? Because that's just an addiction. You know right. what I mean? And I take my body into account for everything like that. So even like that, working out, reading, doing stuff like that, I appreciate my body so much and my myself because I do believe I'm beautiful, confident. I believe everybody is. Who didn't tell you? That's where I feel like I come out with women and that's why they have that thing. I'm like, who didn't tell you you're not confident? Who didn't tell you you're not beautiful? Who didn't tell you all that stuff? And then they get this like, wow, holy crap, he's different kind of thing. Right. And it's not the fact that I'm different. It's just the fact that Maybe you're not around the right people. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just happen to meet me and I'm just smart enough to go over. And I come over to people all the time. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Right. Like I did with you guys. I, I have no ego about me. How's it going? I came up barefoot. All this kind of, you know, I'm just walking with my dog. Right. My dog doesn't have a leash because I treat him like my best friend. I don't treat him like a dog. Right. I don't put leashes on my best friends unless they ask me to. That's my joke. But, you know, I won't ever do that to anybody. And right. I, I don't ever want to put a leash on your mind. I don't ever want to put a leash on your heart, right. on your soul, because that should be let free. Uh, my best friend's worried about she's like she's like I'm a butterfly and people keep on trying to crush my wings right. and she really doesn't know that everything I'm saying is really just for her to fly right hopefully because she has trust issues but hopefully she knows, she'll see it through my actions right and maybe I just want something in return so that way I can see that we're benefiting each other right and that works and with, just like with you and me in a conversation we're benefiting each other what right. were you going to say sorry no I wanted to, to you, you mentioned um, that you didn't want to have leashes on the mind and you used the dog as an analogy Basing on the mind having a lease on it. Right. Leash. Uh, we we have self leashes on our mind. 
we'll do it automatically and not knowing unconsciously we'll leash ourselves right by limiting ourselves about what we think we can do and by doing that what we do is is that it it hinders and erodes your confidence because you're telling yourself what you can't do but you haven't came to the mind what you can do exactly see you have the problem but you never have the solution right see the problem is the antithesis to a solution yes see so you need to have the solution first and then you won't have any problems so you have to be geared and educated by educating yourself by knowing yourself by knowing yourself then you're a solution oriented so for the podcast if you got anything out of this we want you to become more solution oriented so you can be able to resolve the situations because most things are very minute. We, we grant, aggrandize the problem by not really understanding what we need to do to fix it. Right. Generally, when we want to fix something, we usually call somebody to come fix it because we feel that we, not, we don't have the ability to do that. We don't, we don't have the, the, uh, the ability to fix an electrical problem or a carbon problem. Yeah, well, we're smart enough to call a person who can. Right. See, so you need to know how to be able to use your resources as far as an individual as yourself. Right. And that's what Islam does for you. It makes you a human being. We have to, when we, when we do our prayer, right, everything that we do is based on our intention. But our intention has to be based on knowledge. I can't, I can't intend to come out here to this park without understanding my intention to come out doing it purely. You know, one of my brothers said, he said, I wonder if what's the name that's going to come. I wonder, I told him, I said, your only responsibility is put this tent up. Right. Put those books right there. And if whatever's name is coming, and I'm not saying this, I'm not trying to be condescending. Whoever's coming, that's between him and Allah. Right. Exactly. Whoever you run into today, Allah is going to send him to that tent. Exactly. He can witness that. Right. And, and, as, a, and as a last final note, would you like to say anything? I would like to say that. You have to understand yourself with the improbabilities. Okay. Your improbability has to be possibilities. Right. In order for you to knock, for opportunity to knock, you got to believe in improbability. But they become possibilities. Right. That's actually very smart. And I like that a lot. And that's good because I believe math is a language too. And improbabilities are always real in math. Thank you for a wonderful episode of Nosh Posh. I really appreciate having you along. Have a good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and good night. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day.